Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and today we have the music therapist, music person of all time, all the way from Chattanooga, Tennessee, Martha Suma. Martha, welcome. Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself to our Different Brains audience? Well, I am an educator and a musician. Uh, most of my degrees are straight in music, but I got interested in working with neurodiversity several years ago when I started working with several of the uh, population in the autistic group here. Well, what types of neurodiversity do you see? Um, is it mostly autism or you have all different kinds of... I'm not a big one for labels, by the way, but I want to give an audience uh, an understanding because I just watched your very entertaining uh, TEDx talk, and I learned a lot from that. And we here at Different Brains think that all of us have different brains, and uh, it's not just autism or Asperger's or PTSD or ADHD or any of the initials you can think of. It's uh, kind of all of the above. What are your thoughts on that? And tell me about the kind of people that you inspire and help with your music therapy. Well, you know, all of the above is actually very, very accurate on that. And the interesting thing with the music that I work with when I'm working with these populations, I work with um, some techniques that were developed out of Colorado State called biomedical music techniques. And what we do with these is we're actually influencing non-musical areas of the brain with music. And so that could be a person with autism. It could be a person who had a stroke. It could be a person with Parkinson's disease. Um, for instance, anybody who might happen to have a gait problem, um, you could use you know, a, a particular um, technique to be able to work with their gait to a beat. So for instance, if, you know, if somebody's having a real problem walking, because they've just recovered from a stroke, but suddenly they hear, you know, they're going to start to say, oh, a beat, I can walk to that. Now, it, I have worked with children with autism who have a gait problem. I've worked with people with Parkinson's who have a gait problem. So it's really what you're, what you're doing is you're taking the music and helping it influence a non-musical task. Because everything is multi-hemispheric here in the brain when it comes to dealing with music, you can actually bypass and help kind of do some neuroplasticity and redevelop new stuff with the music. Fascinating. And, you know, music, I mean, there's a reason music has been so big throughout history. Um, and you can go into any walk of life and you would think at this point it would be common sense that we can use music as a real tool, as a real weapon, as something in our arsenal for those of us whose brains might be a bit different. And yet you're running, it seems sometimes that you're running, but people watch it and go, what an aha moment. You mean music real, really can affect how your brain gets wired. It, it really does. And, you know, when you stop to think about it, intrinsically, we have rhythm going on in our body all the time. We have a heart rate going, and our gait usually simulates what is happening with our heart rate. 
And so, you know, we have this internal beat going on all the time. And then when music, external auditory music is added to that, the body can do just amazing things with it. And it, it's not only motor. It could be speech. It could be cognition. It could be a number of any things. Well, you know, uh, it's something I observed over many years uh, during my uh, pro heavyweight boxing career that many of the champions could only train to music, you know, either when they're jumping rope or when they're hitting the speed bag, anything. And it is that connection. And we forget the way God makes your brain. You got the computer up here and then you get this big cable called the spinal cord goes down and then that gives off wires and everything is enriched with this whole wiring network and if we just would grasp that neuroplasticity exists and you can rewire things, That's then you right. open up a lot of doors. You open That's up a right. lot of doors. Yes, and, and the thing is, you know, there's no rhythm or music center in the brain. There's auditory components in the brain, but rhythm is a part of what you were just saying, the whole central nervous system. So, you know, various parts of the brain could have a problem and you can still use the rhythm. Now, you said something interesting before. You talked about the different parts of the brain different from what, let's just call it for a lay person, such as myself, because I'm only an orthopedic surgeon, so this is, I'm not a neurosurgeon. But anyway, the music center of the brain, where does that exist and how does that interact with the other parts of the brain from your point of view? And I know for our audience, even though Martha is very humble and modest, she has about 18 degrees. She's a concert pianist. She's done a million different things. Tell our audience a little bit about your background and then tell us from your point of view the different parts of the brain as they relate to music. Okay. Um, well, I started off just really in piano when I was starting my undergraduate education. And the reason for that, honestly, this will divulge how old I am, was at the time that um, I was an undergrad in the late 70s and early 80s, music therapy was a social science. It wasn't something that I was very interested in. It was kind of like I knew some music therapists that were, let's play the guitar, you know, kind of thing. And there was nothing specific about it. Um, and so then as I went through my career, and I had dual careers in computer design and processing also for a while, um, in the late 90s, suddenly we have this wonderful thing called functional MRI that comes along. And so the research can start being done to talk about, oh, now we can see exactly how the brain is reacting and responding to music. And so with neuroscience entering the picture, and I'm not a neuroscientist either, I've had to learn a lot of neuroscience terms to, to keep up with a lot of these, you know, these things when I'm talking to people. Um, but neuroscience really made a big difference with being able to prove the evidence-based and research-based processes. So what they've really found, the brain actually, you know, and again, it's really, there's not a musical center in the brain. It's all over the brain. Music responds in, in many areas. And so you can basically take a part of the brain like speech and when you're dealing with a person who has lost the ability to speak, and yet they can still sing. Um, a, an example of that would be Gabby Giffords, who you know was the congresswoman who was shot, and that was horrible. But she learned to regain her speech through singing because it is multi-hemispheric. 
she was able to sing around the damaged part of the brain and redirect the neural networks. So there's really most of the neuroplasticity in the brain, I think you can, you can work with, with stroke, with autism. Um, there are certain things such as Parkinson's disease that are just degenerative enough that you cannot do neuroplasticity with. There's a, a breakdown of a part of the brain called the basal ganglia, and it's, you can't fix it. But you can make quality of life better. Give them, yeah, give them an iPod that has a beat going to it, and suddenly instead of having that stutter to the gate, they'll just keep walking. They won't get to a, a corner and not know what to do and just kind of freeze. They'll keep walking. So there's just so much that music can do. Speaking of Parkinsonism, we're going to be interviewing my friend Rashida Ali, who's uh, devoted a lot of her life to Parkinsonism, uh, Muhammad Ali's daughter. But there are some boxing training programs now, uh, now such as the uh, Rock Steady at Gleason's Gym in New York for Parkinsonians, where um, it's, it's, again, it's incorporating rhythms, but it's incorporating the movements selectively to get the patterns going and to overcome. Now, singing also has been known for uh, stuttering. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and and uh, Tourette's, so it overlaps. Now, what is the name of your uh, not-for-profit organization? Uh, my nonprofit is called Music Therapy Gateway in Communications, MTGIC for short, and it's mtgic.org that my website is. And my personal website is marthasima.com. And what other ways can people get a hold of you besides the not-for-profit website and the marthasuma.com? Well, I've got contact pages actually on all of those websites, so they can get a hold of me there. Um, the other thing they can do is send me an email, and that is suma, S-U-M-M-A, at marthasuma.com. That's, that's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm not, a, I'm not a big phone person, so... I tend not to answer my phone. And you you probably are smart enough to have graduated summa cum laude, whereas I graduated Johnny come lately. I don't know, not in your league. How do you like living in Tennessee? You know, I really enjoy it. Um, I, I'm a native from Massachusetts, and so I've been down in Tennessee now since 1992. And I, I will confess, every once in a while, I still have a little bit of, oh, that's right, I'm not, I'm not in Massachusetts here. Um, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful state, wonderful people, um, very loving people, and it's it's a really nice place to be. Where were you from in Massachusetts? A little town outside Worcester, Paxton, Massachusetts. Okay. One of the best years of my life I spent living with the children at was was then called the Shriners Hospital for Crippled Children in Springfield, Mass. Okay. Okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, nice nice part of the world there. In yeah. Tennessee, the people are wonderful. They are very nice. And I once had a fight at the Bristol Speedway where the three states meet, but I can't tell you which three states. And, uh, you know, now, um, what are the biggest roadblocks you run into when you're teaching people? Like I watched your TEDx talk, which was great, by the way. Thank and, you. Um, what are some of the roadblocks you run into when you're trying to communicate your message of music and the brain? Well, I, from a standpoint of actually working with the kids involved with it, as far as the one-on-one, -on -one, some of the roadblocks involve behavioral elements. So, for instance, if you get a kid just saying, 
no, I'm not going to do it. Well, you know, clearly there's, there's a problem there. And so I've actually had to do some work with behavioral elements of, of you know, working, finding out how all that works. Um, from, a, from a corporate standpoint of the problems, honestly, a lot of it has been that I think the, the, um, the background of a lot of this in the 90s and going into 2000s was everybody was saying, I'm doing my own thing. I'm doing my own thing. You can't do what I'm doing. And I've come to the point now of realizing that, you know what, I don't care how much I know, a neuroscience person is going to know more about the brain than I do. And an educator is going to know more about behavioralism than I do. And, uh, you know, all of this, the, the, the music therapists are going to know more specific on the techniques than I do. And it takes all of us working together. I've gotten to the point of realizing. And I think we're just getting there. I think, you know, people are realizing that, oh, okay, you know, just because such and such isn't a physical therapist, well, we could incorporate that into the physical therapy session. Um, and, and breaking down the walls of domains and, and really having people work together, I think is the big thing right now. I think what you just said so eloquently is a big takeaway for me. And it, it, it really goes through the whole neurodiversity community. Why can't we all just get along and work together and use with the others who are tilling in their field yes. can bring to us all together and share that and that is actually what we're trying to do at differentbrains.com. And we would welcome uh, any blogs on music therapy you'd like to write, because you've clearly devoted your whole life to this. And it's amazing from everything about music to it makes so much sense to you and you are able to articulate it, how it is in the brain and how all of our brains can benefit. Yes. Yes. And even neurotypical people can benefit from music. I mean, the growth of mu that, that music has in the brain of neurotypical people is astounding also because, you know, you, you see they've done a lot of experimentation on musicians to see what's going on in the musician's brain in order to get all of this research done and found things like the auditory and the motor components of the brain tend to hardwire in musicians so that, you know, I can be looking at a piece of music not hear a thing, but I'm hearing the music in my head. I'm, I'm hearing it internally. So you, you have all of these changes that go on just by the simple act of working with music, you know, with all different populations. Can you give our audience just an example of two of some of your most memorable cases? Well, I, and one of my real memorable cases, I, I actually talked about in the in the TED Talk, and it was a little girl who was born with, oh, just all kinds of problems. Her mother was a drug addict, and she had hydrocephalus, and she was considered legally blind, deaf, and she just had a host of problems. But um, her physical therapist, when she was three years old, called me up and said, you know, hey, Martha, can you can you come down here and look at this? And I went down, and this little girl, they had found an old piano there, and this little girl who couldn't see and couldn't hear sat down and started just finding all the Fs on the piano, which, you know, there's, there's a lot of different notes on the piano. And to be able to just pick those out, and it was astounding. Um, and she's very medically fragile, but I was able to start working with her a couple of years later. And, uh, and she did amazingly, amazingly. But it was like her cognition growth spurt was so wonderful that all of a sudden she had a seizure it was 
awful for all of us. And um, they put her in hospice. And she was six or seven years old at this point, which was, it was just devastating. And her doctor said, well, there's nothing more we can do. Well, you know, is it, what caused the seizure? What really happened? Well, they found out her oxygen levels weren't really doing well. And so it was, is that another missing piece? Or is it because she sits like this all the time? And so she's not getting all the air she needs to get. And so the doctors gave us permission to work with her. And we had, you know, we had her playing drums. So she had to reach out and open up, expand the chest, all of this. We had her playing the harp. She had to reach out and do that. We had her starting to sing. And the singing was astounding. The singing seemed to open everything up. And the more she sang, the more her oxygen levels came up. Her oxygen levels came up finally above 90%. Then they came up above 95%. The girl was out of hospice. Um, she's still medically fragile. But because she was singing and she was doing all of this and getting all of this wonderful capacity going, it saved her life. The music literally saved her life. So, you know, it, it can really do some amazing things. It really can. Well, that is a great and heartwarming story. And on that note, I think we're going we're gonna to finish up here. Um, this has been a great uh, and educational experience for me here. And I want to thank you for coming on Exploring Different Brains. Um, we've been talking with uh, Martha Suma, and uh, you can get in touch with Martha at MarthaSuma.com and also through her organization. Want to repeat the name of the organization, Martha? Sure. It's Music Therapy Gateway in Communications and the website mtgic.org. Okay, that's great. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, Martha. It's been great. Keep up the great work you're doing there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.